Amen. Thank you again, Mike and orchestra and choir for leading us today. Well, good morning. What a, what a great time of the year it is as we begin this week in preparation for Thanksgiving. I've, I've talked to some already that uh, I think Norman's about the only school in the area that still has school this week. So uh, I know a lot of you are already beginning that uh, 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 Thanksgiving season. Uh, Jane, I saw your grandkids are all here. So Thanksgiving's already come to your household, it looks like. So uh, I hope you're excited and ready for Thanksgiving. And, and one of the things that we do at Thanksgiving in preparation is we need to learn to say yes, right? Uh, would you like some turkey? Yes, please. Uh, would you like some dressing? Well, yes, of course. Now, now with that yes, we need to learn how to say no at times as well, right? Um, but I hope that you're excited about gathering for Thanksgiving, and it, it's so exciting to hear from different families, the, the traditions. I know some families have that traditional Thanksgiving dinner, and each family has their own unique addition to it. I know in our family, uh, when we got married, and, and Gay came into our family, she brought her homemade rolls, and so she was a welcome addition to our Thanksgiving table. Uh, she came to our family, my mom's, her, her deal is she loves to make noodles at Thanksgiving, and so we have Carb City, right? We have mashed potatoes with noodles on them and a, and a little roll to go along with it. Uh, and of course, dressing. And, and so it's exciting time of year. I hope that you're looking forward to, to a great Thanksgiving with family or with friends. Um, and uh, be praying for safe travel for each other. And certainly, we look forward to gathering back together again next week as we begin Advent. Um, now, the last couple of years, we've been blessed with Thanksgiving weekend and then Advent beginning the, uh, in two Sundays, the next Sunday after Thanksgiving weekend. Next week is, uh, is Thanksgiving weekend, and it's the hanging of the green, and it is Advent Sunday all in one. And so as soon as we finish our time together in here this morning, this sanctuary will begin to be transformed and, and readied for our Hanging of the Green service next week and the start of Advent, an exciting time. But I also know there's, that the holidays also bring about an emotional season as well. And, and I want to begin my thoughts today with this idea as we prepare for the Thanksgiving table. Even as our, as our houses begin to be transformed with, with those signs of Christmas, the, the greenery, the trees, the, the lights, the, the nativity scenes, as, as our homes begin to, to be prepared for the Advent and Christmas season, uh, we reflect on relationships. And we know as we anticipate the holidays that there's, that there's, there's great joy as we reunite and as we gather with family and friends. But there's also sadness. Because sometimes we don't get to renew those relationships. Sometimes we have family members that, that live away. Sometimes we have family members, like, like in our family, we have the in-laws. Well, we don't have any outlaws, but we have the in-laws over here. One, one week we, or one year we gather for dinner, and the next year the, the other in-laws. And so we, we get to miss being with some family uh, during the holidays at different seasons. Um, what about you and your family? Maybe there's someone serving in the military and, and they're not going to be able to join with you. Maybe some of our families, and I know it's true, have, have experienced death this last year and, and there'll be family members that, that won't be there for the first time as they've got on to be with the Lord. 
But my question for us, even as we prepare for those, is, is who is not going to be at your banquet table because they know they've been uninvited or they're not welcome? It's been several years. I shared the story. We were downstairs with one of our friendship uh, meals and, and dinners after the first of the year. And, and I was talking to one of our, our, our friendship folks that comes for those, those Sunday suppers regularly. And we were talking and I said, well, how was your holiday? And did you, did you enjoy time with your family? And he said, I'm not welcome with my family and my parents anymore. And I know that that's the case in many families. And there's many reasons for that. There's, there's, there's brokenness in our lives, in our families. There's, there's sin that we've cast upon each other. There's, there's hurt and brokenness in those relationships. But still, the question that goes out to us is, who is not welcome or will be missing from your dinner table today or this weekend as we prepare for Thanksgiving. So this morning I want us to talk about this important word, this important concept of reconciliation. What does it mean to be reconciled or to reconcile? Just very briefly, to reconcile means to change from enmity to friendship, to change from a state of, of anger, to change from a state of, of brokenness, to change from a state of separation. And to renew and to restore that relationship into that relationship of friendship, of family. Yes, reconciliation is a, is a difficult work. It's a work that involves forgiveness. But more than that, it's a work of restoring relationships. Now, this is not permission. Reconciliation and, and spiritual reconciliation is not permission or religious guilt to enter back into abusive relationships. But rather, reconciliation is that process that begins first in reconciling our own selves in our own lives back with God. And then... As a result of the fruit of that experience, as a result of the fruit of being restored and renewed into right relationship with God, then the fruit of that in our own lives is the ability to begin to work towards forgiveness and reconciliation in our relationships with others. And how many of our families, even today, desperately need to begin and to continue that work of reconciliation? These last weeks we've been talking about Barnabas. And today as we finish up the story of Barnabas, we want to, to focus on Barnabas' work of reconciliation. Last week as we see the flags around us today reminding us of, of the peoples of the world and how Christ came to save the nations, how Christ came to reconcile the nations of the world, the people of the world to God through Jesus Christ. And last week we saw how Barnabas was invested and committed to this work and this outreach, this ministry of reconciling the nations, the peoples of the world, to God. But we also see on a, on a more micro level how Barnabas' life was used throughout Scripture in many ways to restore and to reconcile relationships within the church as brokenness, as hurt, as separation would occur 
If you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 9. And, and I just want to briefly run through and, and mention these stories of reconciliation to show that, that, that Barnabas, the encourager, that we talked about a couple weeks ago that that word also means an advocate. Barnabas was an encourager, an advocate. He was one who, who sought to, to reconcile and advocated for the Lord, for others, but also for each other and bringing healing and renewal and reconciliation within the church. Remember the story of, of Saul. How we're introduced to Saul as one who is a chief persecutor of the church. And by persecution, we don't mean bullying names. We mean persecuting unto death. We see that Saul was there at the death of, of Stephen and how he had gone on behalf of the, 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 the Pharisees to arrest and even to put to death Christians in Damascus. We saw God's work of reconciliation in Saul's life. How Saul re was redeemed by God. How God came and, and, and brought reconciliation. Introduced him to the Lord Jesus. And calling to be a, a preacher of the gospel. To share good news of reconciliation with all peoples. But there was a problem. The church that Saul was going out to represent did not accept Saul. They, they didn't realize what God had done and they were afraid. They were leery. Why? Because that, re, re, that relationship had been severed because Saul was a persecutor, a killer of Christians. In chapter 9, verse 26, we see that Paul came to Jerusalem. He was trying to associate with the disciples, the, the leaders of the early church, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. And look what happened. But Barnabas, Barnabas took hold of Paul. He took hold of his hand, I believe. He took hold of his life and he brought him to the apostles. And Barnabas gave testimony of what God had done in Paul's life. And from that point on, the church accepted Paul. He was reconciled to the disciples because Barnabas took hold of him and brought him. Isn't that the picture of what reconciliation is? It's standing in the gap between two, two individuals that are, that are at odds with each other, where their relationship has been broken, and it's taking them by the hand, and it's bringing them together and joining them hand in hand in renewing and repairing and reconciling that relationship. In chapter 11, we see that Barnabas is critical, he's crucial in reconciling Jewish Christians with Gentile Christians. The early church in Jerusalem hears that, that there's some neat things going on in Antioch, but they're a little bit disturbed because they hear that the gospel is going out to the Hellenistic Jews, the, the Jews that are, are, are of Gre the Greek culture. In fact, even Greeks are hearing Gentiles are hearing about Jesus and responding. So it's Barnabas that goes on behalf of the church. And in chapter 11, 
Verse 22, they sent Barnabas off to Antioch, and when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For Barnabas was a good man, and he was full of the Holy Spirit. Again, Barnabas crucial in bringing those two segments of the church that were, were leery and skeptical of each other. And he brought them together and affirmed what God was doing, the Spirit of God was doing in both of them. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 15. Again, notice here in the, the Jerusalem Council, the argument, the debate, the division between those who, who thought you needed to follow the Jewish dietary laws and, and circumcision began to grow, and, and those that said, no, it's by grace alone that you're saved, those factions began to grow. And look in verse 12. All people sat silent and they were listening, not to Paul and Barnabas. They were listening to Barnabas and Paul. One of the few times in Scripture where Barnabas' name comes first because I believe it was Barnabas that was taking the lead in reconciling these two groups and helping them to work to an agreement. And then look in verse 36. Maybe the, the, one of the acts of reconciliation that we most remember Barnabas for. Remember, they were preparing for the second missionary journey. And Paul and Barnabas had gathered and they were getting ready to, to go back and to visit all the churches that they'd been and check on them. And, and Barnabas got ready to go. And, and Paul and Barnabas showed up ready to go with John Mark. If you remember, John Mark had deserted Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary trip. And Paul said, no, 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 no. He, he, John Mark had his chance. He can't go with us. He, he's not worthy to go with us. He'll, he'll get away and he'll, he'll leave us again. We, we've got to be able to depend on him. And the Scripture tells us that such a disagreement occurred between Paul and Barnabas that they actually separated from each other. And Paul took Silas and went on the trip that had been planned. But Barnabas gathered John Mark and went to Cyprus where Paul and Barnabas first began their trip. And, and Barnabas took John Mark and went back and retraced those steps to reconcile him to the Lord, to the church, and even eventually to Paul. And it's critical, it's important for us to understand Paul's work, excuse me, Barnabas' work in reconciling John Mark, to the gospel, to the work of the church, to the, the missionary movement that was taking place there. For you see, it was Barnabas who was his advocate, who stood up and helped bring those hands back together again. Turn with me, if you would, to our key text for today, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll begin in verse 17. Here we are described, and, and Paul presents to us the work of reconciliation. Therefore, Paul begins, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God. All these new things, that we are a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus, that the old has passed away. All of these things are from God, who reconciled us 
It was God who took us from being in enmity with Him to being in friendship and relationship with Him. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and then He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We have been reconciled to God through Christ and now as a result of that, we are called to the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed us to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The ministry of reconciliation is put this way, that God has reconciled us through Jesus Christ, His Son. The ministry of reconciliation must begin with God. And it is necessary because of our sin. We are the one who has been separated from God. And church, what I, I believe today is that we don't have a full appreciation of our own lostness, of our own sinfulness before God. And we need to understand that our sin puts us at odds with God. The scripture says that none is righteous, no, not one, that no one seeks God on their own. And yet somehow we, we don't quite believe that. We're a little more sophisticated. We're a little more religious, a little more God-minded than these folks back here in the biblical days. But we must be reminded that we must be reconciled to God, that our sin separates us. It separates us eternally from God and that the ministry of reconciliation is God's work in our lives. And that it is done through Jesus Christ. It's described here in verse 19 that He did not count our sin against us. Well, well, how did that work? Well, it's because Jesus Christ took on our sin. He took it on. It was removed from us. And therefore, we now stand in the righteousness of Christ. And we are restored and renewed into right relationship because of what God has done through His Son, Jesus. Listen to Romans 5, 6. It says, while we were still helpless, God died for the ungodly. That's you and I. While in verse, in verse 10, it goes on. While we were the enemies of God, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. The ministry of reconciliation begins with God. And it is offered to us through the death of Jesus Christ who then was honored by God, glorified by the Father through the resurrection and victory over that death. But notice again that the ministry of reconciliation that comes to us through God is then passed on through us from God. And we are called ambassadors for Christ. God gives the reconciled the ministry of reconciliation. Now, an ambassador is someone who represents an official, a king, a representative, a president of another nation in that nation. 
And we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of Christ. Because we are not in the kingdom of God, but we are living in this kingdom of the world, in this nation and in this culture, and as such we are his representative as an ambassador for Christ in this world. And our work as an ambassador for Christ is the work of reconciliation. Our task, our work, our mission is to bring together God and his people. Because we are filled with the Spirit of God. God is within us. He has reconciled us. And now we are to be at the work of joining people with God. Because of what God has done in and through us, He desires to do in and through others. We are the ambassadors of Christ. Wow. How is this possible? How is it possible? It's impossible. It's possible because we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The word of reconciliation has been given to us. Isn't it interesting as we, we think back to the creation story? How, how did God create? He created with his word, didn't he? God spoke, he created with his spirit. And this is the same way that the work, the creative work of reconciliation takes place in our lives. God creates with His Word and God creates with His Spirit. And we, as we receive His Word and His Spirit, then we are able, as reconciled to God, to speak the Word of God into the life of others as His Spirit fills and leads us. Our reconciliation with God leads us not just to being reconciled with God, but also to be reconciled with each other. We live out His Word, empowered by His Spirit, to call others to be reconciled to God and to be His agents of reconciliation in this place. You see, this is the work of the Spirit of God in and through us. Which now takes us back to the story of Barnabas. The story of John Mark and how I believe that Barnabas was crucial in reconciling John Mark with Paul. You know, it's interesting. I don't believe after Acts chapter 15 that we hear of Barnabas anymore. But it's interesting that we hear a lot from John Mark. In fact, if we go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 10, at the end of Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica, here's what Paul has to say. John Mark sends his greetings to you. Welcome him. Now you say, wait a minute, that, that's Paul. That's the same Paul that said, John Mark's not worthy to go with us on our disciples. And, and John Mark is the one that caused such a disagreement between he and Barnabas that, that Barnabas had to take John Mark and go on a different missionary tour. Because Paul wouldn't have him with him? You're exactly right. But because of Barnabas' work of reconciliation and restoration, when Paul is in prison, it's John Mark who's come alongside of him. And now Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, greet and receive John Mark. Welcome him as he comes among you. And then in Philemon, verse 24, as Paul addresses Philemon, 
He says this. He says, Mark, John Mark, is my fellow worker in the gospel. He affirms John Mark's position, his place, his authority, his work in the church. Why? Because Barnabas did an incredible work of reconciliation between John Mark and Paul. Because Barnabas restored John Mark to the work of the gospel. This is the power of reconciliation in our lives and in our gospel. This is what we are called as ambassadors for Christ to commit ourselves to. And now do you want to know the rest of the story? The rest of the story about John Mark? We have four gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John didn't write the gospel of John. (laughs) He wrote the gospel of Mark. John Mark, the one who was rejected by Paul, the one who was was deemed unworthy of the gospel ministry, the one who was, was separated and left by Paul, is now, through his reconciliation to Paul, to the church, John Mark is the one who wrote the very first gospel of Scripture. It's John Mark's gospel that is used by Matthew and Luke as the foundation, as the basis for their gospel. It is John Mark. Maybe as he he traveled there with Paul after being reconciled with him, who saw the value and importance of writing, because we know that some of Paul's early letters were written before the Gospels were composed. Maybe it was in that act, in that relationship, that John Mark was encouraged to write to write the story of Jesus. Because what? Because remember John Mark's mom, her home, the upper room. Her home was the home where the disciples gathered. Her home was the home where Peter gathered. We believe that Peter is the source for John Mark as he told the story of Jesus. Wow. The work, the power, of reconciliation. So my question for each of us is who is missing from your Thanksgiving table this year? Who will not be around your Christmas tree this year? Because they have been made to feel unwelcome, uninvited. Church, we are called to the ministry of reconciliation. First to God, to call one another to Christ and then to call one another to be reconciled with one another. I'm reminded of the story of a young couple. A young couple that was engaged to be married. And she became pregnant before the wedding took place. You can imagine the scandal. You can imagine the the guilt and the rejection that took place because of this indiscretion on their part. The sin that brought shame to the family. Well, yeah, they they had a story. It was some crazy story about the Holy Spirit and some miracle that had been done in her. But nonetheless, the shame, the scandal. If you're familiar with this story, there was a 
a taxation in, the, in that country. They were all required to go to their hometown. And Joseph took his pregnant wife, his pregnant betrothed, to Bethlehem. And when they got there, there, there was no room for them in the inn. Now, now think about that for a minute. This was, their, this was Joseph's hometown. And by law, the government had called everyone, every family member to come back to their hometown. But for Joseph, there was no welcome at home. There was no welcome at the cousins' homes, the aunts and uncles. There was no welcome. And Mary and Joseph found themselves in a stable where she gave birth to the Messiah. Wow. To think that the guilt, the shame, the hurt was so great that there was no reconciliation and that this family missed the birth of the Messiah because there was no effort to reach out and reconcile within family. What are we missing in our families this Thanksgiving and this Christmas because someone is unwilling to take that first step of reconciliation to say, you know, let's, let's, let's work this out. Let's, let's be reconciled to God. And let's be reconciled to one another so that we don't miss out on the beautiful things that God has called us to share together as family. Church, there is still time. For we are ambassadors of Christ called to the ministry of reconciliation. Will you say yes this season? Will you say yes to this ministry that God has called us to? Will you say yes, first with God, to be reconciled with Him, and then secondly, to one another, friends, family, that you have been separated from? May this be our prayer. And may this be our work in these days. Let's pray. Father, what a powerful, powerful story of reconciliation. We're so thankful. We're so thankful for the life of Barnabas and for the example that he gives us of one who's reconciled to you and one who desired to reconcile others to you and to each other. And we thank you for Paul and, and the life of reconciliation that he lived, so much so that he understood that we are called first to be reconciled to you as a new creation. And then we've been given the ministry of reconciliation to share with one another to help others join hands together again, to help our hand to reach, to receive the hand of God as He reaches to us. 
Father, I know there's many hurting and broken families. And I pray that this season, that those here would begin to take those first steps to bring about reconciliation so that no one would be able to say, I'm not welcome around my family's dinner table. God, stir our hearts. And it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.